Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. friends welcome to the helping friendly podcast this is episode number 53 um, here with uh, two good friends on twitter and um, also the internets we've got jonathan who's uh, Ro jimmy and jackson um, jackson your your twitter handle is glad glad glide correct that's right cool. two glad it's one glad nice i actually just that's from the top of my head so i'm obviously on twitter too much but Thanks, thanks, guys, for joining us. Um, we're missing RJ, which is, um, you know, I'm sure you guys 
heart is as heavy as mine, but he's uh, he's laid up at the moment. So it's going to be the three of us, and we'll we'll power through. Uh, Jackson, um, let's start with you. We always like to you know the the general conversation of um, you know how you got into fish. Tell us a little bit about maybe your the first it moment you had when you realized the band was was yours, and um, uh, you know just your introduction to them. Cool. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm yeah, a big fan of the podcast, and I listen. I listen to all the episodes, so it's it's great to actually be on now. Awesome. Um, so, I first got into fish. It was uh, summer '98. I was I was nine or ten years old, I think. Uh, I spent my summers at a sleepaway camp in in New Hampshire, and all of the counselors were big, big into fish. Um, all the time spent in the cabins just blasting, you know, fish shows all the time. And, you know, you, as a nine or 10 year old really looked up to those guys. So I was, you know, trying to learn as much as I could about all the stuff I was hearing. Um, my next summer at the camp, uh, summer 99, or I got my first show on tape, um, from a counselor, which was red, a concert, uh, recording of red rocks, 93, um, and I just remember, you know, trying to convince my parents to buy me a fish CD when I was 10 or 11 years old. Um, so it really started then, um, at a young age, just learning as much as I could, wearing through cassette tapes and, and, and mostly CDs. Um, I remember two big shows were that Red Rocks 93 show and, and the Boise 99 show, um, is, is two of the, of the shows that really, were, were it moments for me from a listening standpoint. Uh, and then, you know, um, they, they called it quits a little bit in, in 2000. So then there's a few years off. Um, then I was starting, I was in high school in, in, uh, 03 and 04, um, you know, freshman year, uh, which is really when I started to follow along with the band, you know, while they were on tour, you know, keeping up with, with what was happening show by show. Uh, but I didn't really see my first show until, until 2009, um, and so there's been so many it moments, um, in the, in the 70 or, or so shows that I've seen in the past six years, but, um, I don't know, it's, it's too hard to name some, but really they mostly happened, um, on recording. I think a lot of people, when they see their first show, they're not as familiar with the band, but by the time I had seen my first show, I'd done countless hours of listening. I honestly, I, I probably knew more about their history before I'd seen them than I do now, just because I basically focus on all all the newer stuff now than I do on, on uh, you know, the the '90s stuff. Um, right, that '93 show, that Red Rock show from '93. I mean, that had a pretty sweet harpoon, right? So I mean, yeah. these are like the you know the intricacies of the, you know the the things that we all love about fish, and you're you got right into it, right? That's what I actually cool. I remember. I remember uh, asking for specifically for a show with uh, with 2001 in it. Uh, I remember listening to that and really liking it and, and asking for my counselors for a show with 2001. Uh, and that, that was what he gave me. <laughs> oh, cool. So, that yeah, the second set, I think, right? That's cool. Yeah, so, I think um, it's pretty good. Set with 2001. Right, right. 93, I think, in itself um, is a great intro, too, because they're pretty prolific, right? 93, 94 is when they were playing a ton of shows, um, practicing when they weren't playing, right? So that's it's a nice way to get into it. Um, Jonathan, you were in high school in like 03 and 04, right? No, I was not a high school then. I no, was, I was uh, just kidding. <laughs> that, was a, yeah. that was a joke. Jackson's okay. clearly younger than both of us. Yeah. We'll get jokes. So. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was Bonnaroo 09. So my first show was 
Oh, nice. first Bonnaroo, nice. and then the, the second show is also Bonnaroo. <laughs> cool. Nice, nice. Jonathan, what was your first show? Oh, man. Uh, 94, Patriot Center, October 94. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was, um, what'd you think? It blew me away. I'd been listening to him for a little while, but, uh, you know, it was the first time I'd been dragged into the room to see him. Dragged is not the right word. I was really excited. And, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it was great. Allowed in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, was it like a local show or did you travel yeah, that was, to it? Or? It was right down the street. Yeah. Um, I'd skipped the one earlier that year at the same place in favor of going to see the band. I think I told this story last time, so I won't, but, uh, but it was great. You know, it was immediately sucked in. Okay, cool. So in 94, you're in Fairfax. Um, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. But I, I think, I don't know if I was on, if I was here for the, was I on last time you were here? I, yeah. You were in and out. <laughs> okay. Not a surprise, probably like literally and figuratively. Um, yeah. So sweet, yeah. There's a four four play long time. I remember the encore of that Patriot show, right? Yeah, that was pretty great. Second Gaiuti, yeah, Gaiuti, um, yeah. Uh, Purple Rain that I predicted. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> you called Purple Rain. Nice. I called Purple Rain. Nobody nice. does that, but I called. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, and you know, I didn't I didn't mention in the opener, Jonathan, but number one, I wanted to thank you. Um, you've really been helping the podcast out the past month or so, I guess, giving us fresh ideas and telling us where. Uh, we could better ourselves, which is always really helpful, and we appreciate it. And number two, um, thank you for being being available today, I guess, since RJ's down and out. Um, we had you on as a, as a co-host today, and it's um, going to be quite helpful. So uh, Happy to be here. Sorry, um, my uh, headset died immediately uh, upon be- the, the beginning of the thing. As soon as you okay. said, all right, let's go, it yeah. lost all audio and had to ditch it. Oh, that's all right. You still it's charging it all day, so of course it stopped working. <laughs> yes, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, Jackson, any other uh, moments you wanted to mention? The Bonnaroo thing? Were there, did you go because of fish, or did you go because you just wanted to go for the weekend and camp, or what? Yeah, so I was actually living in Barcelona um, in the, the, the prior spring, so I wasn't able to go to the Hampton shows. Barcelona, Tennessee. Um, Barcelona, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barcelona, New York City. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and um, so Bonnaroo was just the first show I was I was able to get to um, after I moved back. Um, and then you know, I saw other shows over the course of the summer. But you know, the Bonnaroo show was, was pretty cool. I mean, it, obviously, it was the first time hearing your your favorite band from the – you know, of, of 10 years um, coming at you that loud is, is pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, I knew it wasn't a typical fish show. Not that I had seen one, but I, you know, I knew it was Bonnaroo. But yeah, fish was definitely what, what brought me to Bonnaroo that year. Um, so I've, always, I've always wondered about, I haven't been to a festival where there's like other major bands and fish. What were the other, like what were the other non fish fans? You know, was there like a hubbub about yeah. them, or were people avoiding it? Yeah, like so what? I had I had gone to Bonnaroo in in two thousand six also when it was more it was transitioning, but it was still more in the jam realm. Um, and then by two thousand nine, it was that was completely gone. I mean, Fish was was the outlier, I'd say at that point. But I don't know. I saw some great shows at at Bonnaroo nine, like Beastie Boys. Um, uh, 
I'm trying to remember who else. I mean, there were so there were so many good ones, but it's it's definitely a different vibe when you have all those different styles of music. But with with a festival as, as big as Bonnaroo, um, there's so many bands. I mean, even if you don't care for any of the headliners, you can keep yourself busy for three days with great music at a festival like that. Plus, you're always going to run into Warren Haynes. So <laughs> right, right, which is crazy that he can play in two places at the same time. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Someday I'm going to get the uh, Warren Haynes sit-in app on my phone before I go to a thing. You can always right. know where he is. That's, that's a great idea. I heard Warren Haynes and Slash are the same entity. Well, the pentatonic scale, like as far you know, it reaches, reaches right. many many points right. across the globe. That's awesome. Um, so, did you see both shows that summer? They played twice in Bonnaroo, like a one set and then a two set or something. Yeah, so they they did um they did a late night set um the Friday night I think and then they played a, yep. a, a regular two set show Sunday night um a few songs in the first set with Bruce Springsteen which was pretty fun um and then I think the rest of that summer I saw another two or three shows um at Darien and and Star Lake I think. Uh, and then more in the fall, uh, you know. As, as soon as I saw my first shows, I was I was really going to as many as I possibly could to make up for listening to them uh, nonstop for ten years without ever seeing a show. Well, it's funny that uh, you're not the only um, I don't know fan who's who's only seen 3.0 shows, but has seen a bunch of them, which I think is really cool because uh, you know not that you didn't get into them until 3.0, but like. You know, 3.0 was the first opportunity for you to go see live, you know, show, shows and, and tours and runs and whatever. And you really, you've taken advantage of them. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I, and, you know, Stu Kelly, who's been on before, is the same way. I think he's seen 70 Summer, probably more than that now. But um, And they're all 3.0 shows. But you guys still listen to, like, the 93, 95, you know, all that old stuff, which is what what keeps us coming back, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, of course. I, I love. Yeah, you know, it's always fun to go back and listen to the shows you were at. But when I'm not listening to shows I was at, it's mostly you know the the classics. <laughs> yeah, I've got a uh, with the Hampton anniversary this past week. You know, we heard from a lot of people who, you know, those were their first shows. Some of whom I met there, and you know, they're young guys and just were ecstatic. I mean, crazy ecstatic to see fish. Some of them never really thought they'd ever get to see fish. And uh, and there they were, and uh, and some of these guys have seen more shows than I have at this point. Yeah, that's right. It's it's crazy. Hampton was a, it was really special for that reason. There was a bunch of old vets and like new people um, all coming together and converging, and you know around that gross little pond in front of the in front of the mothership <laughs> there. You know, um, yeah, robot things in the water. yeah that little box thing. Yeah, that's true. yeah, and that, that's John. That's a good point that you brought up. You know, I never thought I was going to be able to. I never thought I was gonna be able to, and it's it's it just every show. I, I just there's a, a moment or two each show where I try to just remember that I'm pretty lucky, pretty lucky. Nice. So tell yeah. us, tell me, Jackson, how you feel about um, like 2014 going into 15 here? Like, um, you have any predictions or you know which way the band's going and that kind of stuff? Yeah, and and I think this, you know, my answer here kind of plays into what I was just saying, which is I, I never thought I was going to have a, a chance to see them, and then, you know, once I started seeing the band a lot, it was it was more like, you know, uh, there would be some great shows mixed in with some average shows throughout 2009, 2010, uh, and 2011, and I was, you know, every show had the best time at 
um, never any complaints, but just always kind of longing for some kind, you know, a tour where it just solid front to back. And when 2012, and, and but really 2013 came around, I really felt like I was getting what I really, really always wanted, especially fall 2013. And I think since then, um, it's really been good. You know, I think, you know, maybe 2014 wasn't uh, as consistent as, as 2013, but there were some great shows mixed in there. There's definitely a point last summer where you could tell that their focus shifted in, in terms of what they were trying to do, moving away from the the long the long jams and, and the long singular jams and moving into more flowing sets where the jams are shorter but all the songs kind of flow into each other. And um you know, I don't know if they were successful at doing that right off the bat, but I think uh you know by the end of fall tour last year and in some shows in Miami, you know, I think, I think it's great. I think everything's really good right now. I've really had fun in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't know what to expect this year, but I'm you sure it'll be, it'll be building off <laughs> uh, the last few years. Good, good. Jonathan, what, what's your take? Well, you know, I'm excited to see where they're going. Um, you know, as Jackson kind of touched on it, it seemed like um, there was a little time there after the, they first came back where, you know, kind of wondered where they were going. I stopped seeing them for a couple of years myself. Uh, in fact, uh, the show we're doing, I know I've, I listened to it after it happened, but I didn't see any shows in 2011. So, uh, yeah, because I, I was bummed out, uh, set back by expectations or whatever. Uh, but I agree, the fall 2013, they, they turned it around in, for me, and maybe I turned myself around and whatever they're but they were playing well and I, I think this past year they've turned in a lot of really good shows and i'm excited to see what they're going to do this year so neither of you mentioned like maybe like a little bit of a of a downturn after the fall 2013 right in, in 14 you guys think that 13 was kind of an apex or what <clears throat> uh i i don't i'm not sure about that i, I think that uh 14 they maybe uh they were just looking for a new thing. They're trying to shift. I think Jackson kind of alluded to that too. It's kind of like a 96. Some people don't really look at 96 as a peak year. It's a good year, but it was changing. They had hit major peaks the fall before and, uh, the following year, really that fall, they hit a new stride and started moving in a different direction in 96. So uh, maybe it's that kind of transitional, transitional year. Not bad. It's yeah. just not, uh, it's a good point. I mean, we look back on 96, I look back on 96 and realize there was some really good music, you know, that we kind of uh, overlooked or shunned or uh, not shunned, but you know what I mean, just kind of um, glossed over. Um, and maybe hopefully that'll be the case in, you know, a decade or whatever with, with 2014. Um, yeah. Obviously Halloween is great. And then into Miami, although Miami, I think left a little people wanting, I don't know, Jackson, you said you, you went, I know you, you hung out with RJ for a bit. Um, yeah. Was the was the experience, um, you know, was the was the music great or just you know the experience plus the music or you know what a little bit about New Year's give us? Yeah, cool. Let me just back up really quick. There's one other thing yeah, I want to say. I, I kind of see 2014 in two halves. Um, I think uh, up until Randall, uh, up until after Randall's, um, they kind of really shifted their style. And I think the shows before then, um, you know, I saw all the shows at SPAC and at the Man Center. Um, and and Randall's, um, you know, I thought those shows were 
just a, a, as good as what I was seeing in, in fall 2013. Um, I was really, really, really loving what they were doing at the beginning of, of last summer. And then after Randall's, it, it shifted a bit. Um, and that was, you know, um, the transition, the 96 style thing, what Jonathan was alluding to, which I totally agree with. Um, and, and yeah, Vegas was awesome. And, um, but in, in terms of Miami, um, I, you know, I think there was one slow show out of the four. I think the first, uh, January 1st was kind of a slow show, but, uh, besides that, I don't know. I don't think I was left wanting more. I think the experience was great being, uh, you know, being living in New York City and being able to go to New Year's shows and MSG is is really really nice. Um, it's convenient and it's and it's fun and it saves me a little bit of money for traveling. Uh, but Miami was great. You know, the warm weather, uh, the, the experience was great. But it wasn't. You know, I don't. I think the music, no matter what, always leaves me with uh, the lasting impression of of a run over the experience. And I thought it was great. And especially leaving off of the run. Um, with that January third show, uh, which was a, was a real highlight for me in the really past good, year, yeah. or, or just a real highlight in, in any of the shows mm-hmm. I've seen, I loved it. That's great. That's great. Um, so, you know, I don't know, Jonathan. Do you want to do you want to add anything else about the fourteen fifteen transition? I think we're good. Yeah, I think yeah. he pretty well covered it. Other than to say, you know, I think that the New Year's run. You know, it was kind of standard four-night run in that it had its ups and downs, but on mm-hmm. the whole, I think it, uh, it kind of left us with a lot of promise for the coming year. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know how I feel about like the long breaks in between, just like a four-night run. You know, because <clears throat> there's like that, there's the the tour. You, you kind of got to get in. They got to catch their stride and then get into the groove and then. We also kind of expect or, or start to uh, predict first first set set lists and second set jams, and then you know what I mean. And then you get a four night run, and it's just kind of like everybody's kind of helter skelter, you know, ADHD yeah. and trade trades, just trying to fit everything into four nights, right? I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just like maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Do you think? Do you think that in addition to the long break, the uh, dead fairly well? Uh, thing is going to have a big influence on what we hear when tour starts, right? Uh, theoretically, right after. Right. I mean, that's a that's a that's a really big deal, and it's um, really interesting, especially since we don't know summer tour dates yet, right? Um, I think they'll drop this week, uh, probably, because right. I said that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. So um, you could probably do a whole episode about the influence of of, of these. Dead shows on, on on fish, but I think yeah. uh, I think we'll I think we'll get some uh, positive positive uh, things from that. I think you know Trey alluded in in the Rolling Stone articles alluded to how he's really getting back inside the guitar, which um, you know with his sym- symphonic stuff and and whatever else he's been doing in the past few years, which has been really cool. But it hasn't really been guitar focused, at least seemingly for him. So I think it's good that um, he'll you know you know get back in touch with the guitar maybe pick up a few new tricks definitely uh just become more comfortable and and more confident on it and i think that'll be nothing but good for what we'll see you know the week after when fish tour starts hopefully no no ill can come with practice i would think that's that's right right and then i think um last episode we talked about that rolling stone article where he talked about um just what you mentioned jackson he's he's practicing early in the morning 
um, and kind of going through like dead songs or, you know, Jerry's riffs and, and um, not just playing them like he plays them, but, or he played them, but, you know, every, every key or, you know, hitting every riff in, in different keys and all that kind of stuff, which is, I thought was pretty cool. And it can only, only lead to positive things come summer tour. That's so right the back into the influences, the things that Jerry listened to. You mentioned that in that article as well. Right. So he's going back to, you know, the uh, uh, California country people. I don't remember the names he threw out there. But right. uh, it, going to the source material, you know, I think that'll, that's going to show. Plus, we might actually get a Ro Jimmy from Fish. Which, <laughs> which you, you <laughs> might be excited about, right? I might be. You know, yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. a lot of people saying, you know, this, oh, great. You know, just another thing to take away time from Fish practice and, and all that. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about... Trailer forgetting how to play chalk dust torture. Okay, you know I think just him practicing the guitar will, will be will be great. And you know they they know the fish songs inside and out. It's true, and in um, the composed parts, a lot of people complain about him not always hitting them note for note. But you know, go back to um, you know a live fish release of like the 99 shows or 96 show he's not hitting it then either so you know you know what i mean like absolutely not right so it's not it's not it's not just now that he's doing this go ahead yeah, since to the new uh release the the one that came out last week uh the Raleigh show yeah yeah 99 mm -hmm. Did you catch any clams in that? I, I didn't really notice any, but I was kind of too lost in the jam, so that's all I wanted to listen to was the tweezer and the sand. Yeah, yeah, the second set was really good. I, I feel like there were like a few moments where I was listening to it like while walking, and I'm like, oh, see? Like, I, I, need, yeah. to, I need to stop being such an asshole, you know, <laughs> about the whole situation. But that, I, what do you guys think about that? The 12, 1699 release was, obviously I listened to that, you know, in 2000 a bunch. Um, RJ and I were in Ohio State still sharing like a gross room at some house and um, listening to these these tapes that we'd get in the mail. And this was one that we I, I remember. It was just a really great show. December 99 was a great month. What would you guys think about it? Well, you know, it's good. I hadn't listened to that one in a long time, actually. Right. But, yeah, I can't even tell you how long. Right. But it's a, it's a great show. I thought uh, it's perfect perfect thing to le release. If they're not going to give me all of the shows that I attended, which not that many that year, um, but I enjoyed it. Jackson, would you, would you get into that this week? Oh yeah, yeah, I listened to it a lot, and I knew that show very well before uh, before this release came out. But I think uh, the '99 style really, really lends itself to a proper soundboard release. Uh, you know, the band was doing a lot of subtle things, especially Trey. Uh, with all of his different pedals and effects um, that are sometimes subtle, sometimes not so much, but I, I think that the soundboard really giving it the soundboard treatment really um, you know highlights the subtleties of what he was doing that year. Um, whether it's just like you know quiet loops in the background or, or you know, the stuff he was doing with the whammy pedal back then was just pretty pretty incredible, and it's it's nice to hear uh, a really quality release. Uh, there haven't been too many releases from 99, so it was nice to hear this one. You know, I've listened to that sand so many times. I think most people really prefer the tweezer, but that extended just groove with the with the sound, the, the layers of sound on top um, from that sand is really, really into that. Yeah, 99 sand ever since uh, the, the Trey solo tour in that May uh, pretty much kind of altered my life. 
<laughs> yeah. Another thing I really like uh, is our, our limb by limbs from you know ninety nine two thousand. Yes. Yes. I really, yeah. really love the way they played that song in those years, um, and you know this twelve sixteen ninety nine rally is just another example of that. Yes, I'm glad that you said that about limb by limb because I just love the song, um, and I'm always a little apprehensive about uh, revealing that fact because <laughs> some people. You know, look no. down their look down their nose no. at you about it. Oh, no, no, no. It's the best. You know, the way the, the way the four of them play together on on that song, just the interplay. Fishman just dancing on the drums. Oh, and, and even I mean, these old just, versions, when he would close it out and they all get quiet, but for Fishman doing something that you know, it sounds like he's got eight arms or whatever. That's that's the best stuff. Didn't Trey write that drum part because he didn't think Fishman would be able to play it and it was a dare. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know, and I, I, um, I wish RJ were here because he would know. Um, but there's a show, I, I don't know if it's from 98 or 99, where, you know, Trey thanks Fish at the end. Like, thanks for the inhuman drum beat or whatever it was. But, right. Um, it, and this, this show reminded me of that. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, speaking of which, another, another great version recently is the, the SPAC 2014 version. So if you, haven't, uh, if you don't remember it, Go back and give it a listen. It's pretty great. I think I listened to that this summer. I, have, I will definitely have to pull that one out. So this also, this Raleigh release also makes me want to go and uh, find the, the twelve fifteen show that I went to, that the MCI Center show from the night before. Oh, nice. I, I haven't. I couldn't even tell you when I heard that last. So I think we hit the points. Let's talk about um, uh, a little bit about the show you picked, Jackson. Um, it's from the same year as as last episode. But we really couldn't turn this show down. It's from June 4th, 2011. Uh, it's from Cleveland. It's Ohio, of course. Uh, so tell us why you picked this and picked it and why you like it. Yeah, so you know, one, of the, one of the things I really like about y your podcast is that we, uh, we tend to focus on shows that are really great, but not necessarily the ones that we talk about all the time. Um, and I think this is one of those shows that fits that category. And Jonathan, you said... Uh, you didn't even see any shows in 2011. Um, and 2011 was a really, it was an up and down year. But uh, I think because of that, there are some really, really great shows that end up getting uh, getting forgotten about. Uh, and I think this is one of those shows. Um, you know, the reason I chose it, I was there. Um, Blossom is a special venue for me. I grew up going to shows. I grew up uh, right outside of Cleveland, going to shows there. You know, all, every summer, um, and, and this show just really has a little bit of of everything that I like about Fish. Um, you know, I, I think the first part of of summer two thousand eleven was was pretty interesting. Uh, we started off with those Bethel shows that I that I was at, and I thought those were really good shows. And I think you know people were pretty pretty happy with where we were at then. Um, but then I think in between the, um, this Blossom show and those Bethel shows, there were some PNC shows that were, you know, not not too good. Um, I don't know, no, nothing special. I think there were some some rip corded jams or something like that that sent uh, you know fish fans up in, into a frenzy, and you know our band is done and things like that. And then the following weekend there was the the June third show at, in Detroit at DTE, which was spectacular. The night before this, this Blossom show with a with a great disease and and uh, a Bowie, I think, and 
some really good stuff. And then, and then this show, which was, was awesome. And, and, you know, just as soon as people turn on the van, everyone's back on. And, and this is one of those shows, um, that just really was, was special for me for, 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 um, nostalgic reasons, you know, just being back at a, at a hometown venue. Yeah. And, and then also some of my favorite songs, um, lizards and then something new with steam, which is, I don't know. It's a great show. Yeah, it really is a good show and um, something I probably only listened to once. You know, I'll, I'll admit that I've only probably only listened to the show once. Um, but going back, it's, I mean, they sound great. It's a wonderful pick. Um, and um, it's always great to go back and listen to a show you, you attended because there's always a little different. Have you listened to it a lot since you attended it, Jackson? I've listened to parts of it a lot, um, you know, mostly the second set. Um, but... Front to back? No, I don't think I've listened to it once since I attended. Nice. I, I'm I'm more of a highlights kind of guy rather than a throwing a whole show. Right. Right, right, right. Only only for the sake of time, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does take quite a bit of time, but um, it's it's great to come back um, and listen to it front to back. I'm sure. Um, and it was a wonderful show. I, I think there's some great highlights that we'll get to. It's some, um, you know, just like you mentioned the the new songs and that and that kind of stuff and the old songs. They really put it all together. Um, but Jonathan, um, you know, per your suggestion, I think we're going to continue to do the, the split, um, episodes where we're going to do the first set in this first episode, and then we'll come back in the next week and put the second, um, set with the second part of this episode. Um, so take us into set one. We're going to get started with uh, the first set of the Blossom Music Center, 6-4-2011, which I, I've never been to this venue, and I hear it's beautiful, but we drove right past it after Deer Creek 95, oh, nice. still kicking myself to that day. To this day. Um, Believe but uh, I was really excited to get back and get in to listen to this set, because I probably only ever listened to highlights when it happened. Um, so... Uh, we're going to listen to it now, and then uh, come back and talk about it, um, make sure... Uh, while you're out there looking for your dead 50 tickets and whatnot, check out cashertrade.org. And um, also, I guess, fish tickets when tour gets announced. Get looking for them on there. And uh, Good peeps. Bye, guys. Enjoy. Yeah.
was the one who did the cover art for the Stones sucking in the 70s LP.
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
for the craft bereft of war. I rode upstream to find the door. Abducted by a bandit or a king from some forgotten war. And mindful of his level craze, the thrinophrobic microgreens.
So maybe I could be a fly. Be the rest of that sometimes. And you, the witch bull from within the silken tunnel that they scream. Cause through the bedroom door it drew. A fretful frown and spoiled me. Cause though I never listened at all, she told my friend.
Do that then. You got it. <laughs> awesome. All right, go ahead, man. Whenever you're ready. Cool. So um, that was the first set. We got Kill Devil Falls. 
Guy Udy, fuck your face, foam, ocelot, rocket in my pocket, back on the train, quill papyrus, tube, and antelope. Um, you know, standard, standard Kill Devil Falls opener. Um, then Gaiuti, which was, you know, had some rough spots, but overall pretty good. Uh, Gaiuti's a song I think they've kind of gone away from a little bit recently. Um, and I, I know people who saw them in the, in the late 90s tend to say that's that's totally fine because they used to play it in every <laughs> show. But but for me, uh, it's a song I really like, and I don't get to see it all that often. So, guys, if you're listening, which, hey, who knows? Bring it back. Come on. Um, start playing a little more often. Yeah, Fuck Your Face. Weird. Fuck Your Face, which is, of course, a song that none of us have heard too many times. Um, But that was cool. That was the first time I had seen it. Um, And then I think a lot more people got it at the the 30th anniversary New Year's Eve show at MSG uh, during the truck set, I believe, they played it. Then um, Foam, which was cool. It actually started a little differently. I think Mike started uh, started off Foam on the bass, which was pretty cool. Um, Usually it's something that's more of like a... You know, they count it off and they all start at the same time. Um, yeah. great no, that's good. That's cool. I want to go back to Gaiuti. I know Jonathan's got a little a few yeah. notes about Gaiuti, and it's um, RJ's got a little bit of uh, issue with Gaiuti. He always has, but well, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't seeing uh, a lot of shows in the late '90s, so for me, uh, you know, Gaiuti started when I started, and I'm always happy to see that song. Uh, but that was this was the first one um, of six that they played in eleven. And they've only played five since this one, or five since that year. And uh, you can hear it though; it's a little rusty, just like Jackson said at the very beginning. But they really get it going. And uh, you know, I, I think coming out for the second song in the first set to play Gaiuti, it means they at least feel like they've got it going on. And uh, and certainly after the couple rough spots in the beginning, they really turn it up and. Uh, I think they did. I think they really had it going on. So. Yeah, we were missed not to mention our, our um, rift theory on the show, which is like if if they play rift in the first set and they really knock it out, then you know they're kind of, you know, in pocket. They got they got things going that that night. Uh, you could apply the same theory to Gaiuti. Uh, yeah, I, I usually apply that to Buried Alive, except for Vegas uh, 04. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I, I subscribe to the rift theory. Uh, quick, nice. Quickly. Sorry to be jumping all over the place. One, no, one thing I want to say, Jonathan, you know, you, you mentioned that you'd never been to Blossom, but you're right. Uh, what you what you've heard is right. It's a, it's a beautiful venue, and it really is. As far as I'm concerned, if there were camping near Blossom, um, it would be you know up there with Deer Creek and, and Alpine in terms of you know some of those storied fish venues. It's really really a cool spot. Um, they played really you know, good shows. They, they don't play there more often. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And um, LeBron lives there. He lives in Blossom, actually. So it's that's cool. right. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, you know, Foam, I thought, I thought Foam was pretty good. Um, and there's some pretty epic, like, early Foams, and you don't get much of them later on, especially in 3.0, but I thought this was a pretty good one. It was like 10-plus minutes, wasn't it? And um, I, thought they, I thought they nailed it. Uh, I like the way it rolled out of "fuck your face." Honestly. Yeah, it's kind yeah, Jackson. Yeah, you mentioned the bass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We we were talking about how how practicing, uh, you know, Trey practicing the guitar and getting ready for the dead shows um, can impact. I think "foam" is like one of those kinds of songs where that could really see um, see like a benefit from that because it's like you know Trey's Trey solo section is really not it's not deep jamming. It's just really soloing over chord changes and 
And I think he's kind of lost some confidence. And in a song like Foam recently, he doesn't, you know, try to do as much as he did in in those those ninety ver- 90s versions. Um, so I, I think Foam is like, you know, just songs like that that aren't too, you know, not not the necessarily the deep jams, but the more like you know type one style jams where it's just Trey taking lead. I think really that's where we can stand to see uh, some great stuff ahead. Yeah, pretty composed, right? And they and they got to hit it, but yet, you know, still kind of jam over it. I agree. Anyway, That's right. Um, so the next song I, I really liked, and I, I was texting with RJ when I was the first time I went through this show. Um, like 2010, 2011, Ocelots were. I'm, I will not be ashamed to admit that I love them, and I think they were great. <laughs> and their first set, like you know, cool down, and um, I just I don't know I don't know what it was about them, but you know now there's like, this was like 11 minutes or whatever. Um, and I, I liked everything they did. Mike sounded immaculate. Um, but, you know, nowadays it's like, you know, maybe seven or eight minute ocelot. And they just kind of go through the motions. Uh, back in the day, which was only <laughs> four years ago, right? I really liked them. I don't, how do you guys feel about it? I, I thought I liked the way yeah, I, I, my notes said it's a slow down after, you know, the frenetic foam, you know. And it, and it is. It's, it starts slow, but it has a nice build, uh, you know, kind of gets to kind of a, a rolling boil maybe, you know, it never really gets wild. Right. Yeah. Ray really brings it up and up and up. And, uh, I, and this is a good example of that. I like it. Nice. So, um, Jackson, got thoughts on it? Yeah. You know, I think it's one of those songs I, I've loved it always. You know, I think it even, even the, sh- the versions that are sometimes shorter more recently. Um, I think they, they do different things. I think the one in Miami most recently comes to mind, um, kind of a more like blissful kind of, of peak to the jam rather than some of the bluesier ones of uh, you know 2011 2010. But I think in general the song really gets to show off how they can you know it's it's not easy to to groove like that slowly um, and they they do it as well as anyone uh, and and Ocelot really shows that side of them off. I think that um, Mike sounded really good and I don't I didn't listen to the show before or after this um, night but I think Mike sounded really good. And uh, Mike is to show off an ocelot too, with just like you mentioned, like the slow groove, kind of laying down that that carpet for us to dance on or whatever. <laughs> um, so the rocket in my pocket's just a, you know it's a cover from I guess it was not even six wow. months or well, yeah eight months previously, right when they covered that uh, for Halloween. Um, the back on the train, uh, it's funny we were mentioning the live fish release that Raleigh show had a back on the train. Um, didn't it? And, um, uh, it was the second set, I think in that 99 show, I could be completely wrong, but it, it was a groove. No, it's in the first set. Is right it? In the first, yeah. Okay. Um, but it was a really groove, grooved up jam. Um, I thought and this, you know, I mean, whatever, 12 years apart, they're different, but they're still, you know, really great, really great jams. I yeah, think this I is the songs that's, that's gotten better over time. Um, I just think they they try to do more with it now. I don't know, Jonathan. What do you think? No, I agree. Um, although this wasn't, you know, the most uh, out there creative version. It was just, it was pretty, it was strong. It's kind of bouncy, kind of, you know, took it up, uh, took things up a step from "Rocket in My Pocket," which I don't think really came together as well as they might have hoped. Agreed. Which might explain why it hasn't come back. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I like Little Feet. I know. People had problems with it, but uh, I loved it. Yeah, right on. Um, 
but uh, I thought this was good back on the train. And I, and I like the way it kind of rolled into uh, Guella Papyrus, you know, with that Guella kind of had this dubby kind of breaks from Trey at the very beginning. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he did some loops, which I, I think is a little bit out of the norm for Guella. Um, I listened to the odd version of it, you know, that it, the, like right. a chef's version of it that was just sounded props to tapers. Um, it <laughs> said nice. <laughs> really good. The, the, the echo really kind of enhanced that song. Um, yeah. and, uh, page just nails the ass festival section of that song. It's just completely, um, just perfect. Just absolutely perfect. Nice long pause before they go back into the song. It's just, right. You can't, for a 3 version of Will of Papyrus, you can't ask for more than that, I, I thought. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it was a, a great version, and I think that um, it's one of those songs that's always going to put a smile on my face, you know, even on a right. rainy day or whatever you want to say. It's, it's just one of those songs. I love it. Um, and, you know, the tube into Antelope, I think, was great. It's only a four-minute tube, and that's, you know... Uh, <laughs> Something. Only four minutes. Right, right. <laughs> it's just, um, um, it's great. It, it's kind of funny that it's before the antelope. I guess antelopes are pretty standard to, to close out first sets, and or tubes are, but together it's kind of a special little treat. Right, you know, on paper it looks straight ahead standard, even the four-minute tube, but that is standard. Sorry, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. 15-minute <laughs> tubes, but that's not the norm it was. <laughs> It's fun. Um, but this is good. This is, it's funny because you listen to it and Paige's solo is really strong, goes out and, and, and you think, oh, maybe this is, this is the one they're going to stay on the funk. They're going to, they're, 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 no, then they don't. That, that's everyone for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> really, you know, that glimmer of hope is, is, it's, it's always out there. Ever the optimist. Yeah. Right. It's like you might hit all in one, but really you're just going to miss the green or whatever. Um, so the antelope, though, I thought was really cool, uh, and uh, I've seen a ton of antelopes. I was looking at my stats the other day on the fish.net, you may have heard of it, um, <laughs> and I've seen a ton of antelope, 35% of the shows that I've been to, I've seen antelope, which is crazy, huh? um, but this one was pretty cool. Uh, I won't ever be disappointed when hearing it, but you know, it's always fun when Dre throws a little curveball at the end there. Um, and he calls, uh, you know, Corota Toaf or whatever. So, but he calls yeah. that everybody, you know. Yeah, so. I was going to ask Jackson, like, do you remember the light? Was there like a light solo? Because there's that pause. Yeah, like that, but like, uh, yeah, so he he called he called Corota uh, for a light solo, but yeah. you got to keep in mind, this is like, um, you know, one of the longest days of the year, right. and it's the first set, so you can't really see the lights, but <laughs> but A, a plus, <laughs> effort, it was still pretty cool. <laughs> What do you want to bet that's why Trey called for the light solo then? <laughs> that's right, right. You, you could just play Yem or something like that. but <laughs> Jackson, we didn't ask you that. I like to always ask like the crowd and the field. No, and sort of things. I, I remember having a great crew around me. I, I, don't, I was in the back of the pavilion. Um, good crowd. I, I don't remember too much about the crowd, i got to be honest. It, <laughs> that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, no worries about that. Um, yeah, I, Jonathan. I thought it was overall a pretty good set. Um, you know, they uh, like I said, they get bit busy right on in in there real early with the Gaiuti, and then uh, you know they uh, the Trey's obviously confident. Page is on fire, as you said. Mike is sounding really good. Fishman's in there, really strong. Uh, it definitely left me looking forward to set two. 
So, you know, the one thing that I was thinking is it's not a standard uh, 3.0 set one, I guess. You know, there's a, a few little uh, different different songs in there that we don't usually get the Fuck Your Face and the Foam, um, maybe the Gula, you know. I, you know, it's uh, the Rocket in My Pocket, obviously, but that wasn't really a highlight. Uh, people kind of complain about, like, the non-jammy first sets where they just kind of run through, you know, 12 to 14 songs. I don't think they did that with this first set, and it was... Um, it was really nice. It was fun to listen to. Yeah, I mean, and if you compare this to a first set from 2014, it's there's a lot of songs that you you wouldn't expect to hear. Coyote, fuck your face, rock in my pocket, Guella. It was cool. Yeah, good energy. It seems like from the band, they were all having a good time. I guess. Yeah. Who, who doesn't in Cleveland? That's right. <laughs> in Believe Land, right? Awesome. Um, all right, so that was uh, set one from 6-4-2011. We'll um, check us out at hfpod.blogspot.com. Our Twitter's hfpod. Um, and email us your thoughts or suggestions, helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com. So, again, thanks to Jonathan at Roe Jimmy. Roe J. Roe J? Just Roe J. Yeah, somebody else says Roe Jimmy. He never uses it. It's oh, really? Well, yeah. Roe J. She sent like five bucks or something. Like, <laughs> so it's like so it's like Road Jimmy slash Roger the fish song. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, just R O W J. <laughs> R O yeah yeah yeah. Um, so anyway, that's Road J, not Road Jimmy. Is Jonathan's Twitter? You sure? I'm sure you're already tuned into it. Um, and glad glad glide is Jackson's. Um, so thanks again guys and as always thanks for listening and keep on rocking You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>